All right, guys, it's time for the next Level Guy Show, a men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats, covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is Viola Brandt. Viola, more commonly known as Viola Loves Cycling, is a 26-year-old from Germany. A former competitive athlete in artistic cycling, she participated in competitions from 2000 to 2020 and was a member of the German national team from 2010 onwards. She won the silver medal at the UCI Indoor Cycling World Championships in 2019, 2017 and 2016, as well as winning the European Championship in 2018 and 2012. In February 2020, she retired from competitive artistic cycling to focus more on showcasing the sport of artistic cycling and building her own brand, where she presents artistic cycling in a casual way in combination with fitness, health and lifestyle, as well as completing her university course, a Master of Science in Clinical Nutrition at the University of Hohenheim in Germany. And in this interview, we discuss her story, her training regime, learning tricks, mindset, training, dealing with fear and fame, and so much more. And now... Let's get to the interview. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Viola. I really appreciate this. You're uh, very somebody who's very talented. You're going to do amazing things. You're, the world is your oyster. But for people who maybe don't recognize you, could you give a quick introduction of who you are and why you're so well-known on social media? Yeah, I'm, my name is Viola, as you already said, and I'm an artistic cyclist from Germany. I live near the city of Stuttgart and I'm doing artistic cycling since 20 years um, and yeah I'm known for this I competed in the sport for 20 years but now I'm focusing on doing shows and doing social media and artistic cycling is basically something in between gymnastic on the bike but also dancing on the bike and cycling <laughs> so it's something in between those things. Yeah, I mean, and you, it looks amazing. I think I found you through a random video that popped up and it was just amazing watching you just do such beautiful things with the bike. You know, you were doing handstands and you were like, just do, like, you've now gone off to shoot basketballs and, you know, you've gone on the Ellen show. You're doing all these amazing things, but how did you get into this? You know, was yeah, I remember you, you spoke about when your brother used to do this when he was younger. And of course, you wanted to emulate your brother. Would you have gone into this before? Do you think you were always destined to do these amazing things on a bike? Well, I get to know the sport through my family. So it is an official sport. Um, there are official competitions. We are part of the UCI. Um, so we have a official system of competitions and we have a national team and all those things. And so there is or there was a, a club in the small village where my, my parents used to live. 
And so my mother got to know about this through the newspaper. And um, then, yeah, she went with my brothers there. And so my brother started and... Well, I have three older brothers, <laughs> and as the little sister, I always wanted to do what my always what my older brothers did. So of course, I did the same like my brothers, and that's how I started. And yeah, I don't know if I would have started with this sport as well when my brothers would not did it. But um, yeah, that's that's the way how it worked, and here I am. <laughs> I mean, it's. I've got a younger sister, so I can appreciate that kind of. You always want to do what your siblings do, and you always want to be involved. I mean, and you started that when you were really young, and you know, before people knew it, you were smashing world records. You had won the European Championships. You know, it it seemed like you couldn't do anything wrong. Do you? Th- was there something that made you unique, do you think, when you started? Was it your training methods? Was it the, Did you kind of take a new level of creativity to the sport? What, I mean, what do you think has made you so successful? Um, well, I think that most of the success comes from the patience or the endurance you have because it takes a lot of time to learn all those tricks. For example, as you just mentioned, doing a handstand on a bike um, it took me seven years to to learn until I mastered nice. it and many, many thousand attempts. And of course, also with fails. And then you have to overcome your fear um, of doing the trick and of falling again and maybe also of injuring yourself. And yeah, so I think that is something, no matter in which sport or which part of the life, um, success always means that you... Yet that you need to keep on something, that you need to, mm-hmm. to train, that you need to... Success doesn't come just overnight. It's, you have to work for it. And so I did work for it. And I also always did it with the school together. But I have to say that I'm not the most successful artistic cyclist ever. Really not. I'm the vice world champion, but I'm not the world champion. So they are, there are people who are better than me. But the difference is that I'm bringing the sport to social media and that I'm filming videos of it and that I'm doing photos of it and uploading them. And so that's why I'm that that's why most of the people think that I'm the only artistic cyclist in the world, but I'm really not. The others are just not really known because they don't show themselves on Mm. the internet. Well, you're the world champion of artistic cycling on social media. You know, <laughs> you're the number one. I mean, that is certainly something that there's a lot of amazing sports and talented people that maybe don't get the spotlight they deserve because they maybe don't get the funding that's like football and things like that do. And that's why I like this kind of series where you I can showcase the light on people, well deserving people who are doing amazing things. And it's it's difficult because there's not always a lot of funding that's not popular sports. So when you started cycling, you know, is there any kind of you know, is there sort of training, you know, when you go with the German team, is there funds available for you, that sort of thing? Is it is artistic cycling supported in any way? Um, I would not say no, but I also would not say yes. <laughs> so, for example, we have for the national team 
um, we are part of the BDR, which is the the cycling federation for Germany, for example. There, when we qualify to the world championship, then for example, we get our travel costs from them. But for example, when you participate at other World Cups, for example, then you have to pay all your travel costs for yourself. And so, for example, there was a World Cup in Hong Kong. And um, when you have to pay Yikes. everything by yourself, it's, yeah. And we also have no prize money. So, for example, I won the silver medal at the World Championship, but the only thing you get is the silver medal and some flowers. <laughs> but you don't get any money for winning something. We have... In Germany, luckily, we have one federation that helps different athletes um, from different sports in general with a little money. But to get this this fund as an artistic cyclist, um, you need to to be really successful. So, for example, I got this money from this um, federation when I was two times the Wise World Champion, but not earlier so that means i only got maybe three years of of my career from the 20 years of career i got only three years uh a little money for it but it's not that i could ever ever live from this it's just maybe to to cover your costs for the hotel mm -hmm. you yeah your basic sort of travel yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's certainly annoying when you see that because you see the level of sponsorship and support a lot of like small football clubs get and you know there's always money for popular sort of gymnastic events and stuff but not always enough for like grassroots sports and it's a real shame i mean because it's people like you maybe might have dropped out because you didn't have the support but look at you i mean you you know, you're saying there you didn't get any money for it. You got barely enough travel support to kind of get to these places. So you were doing it for the love of the sport, which is even more com compendable. You know, and it's amazing to see the success you've had and that you've kept going. And now you're shining this light on artistic cycling. And that is amazing. You know, you took it to the Ellen show. That is, <laughs> that is impressive. So how did you manage to juggle this along with your college work, along with just being a normal person and dealing with all the other stuff you have to do? How did you, especially at such a young age, you're, you know, you're working with Snoop Dogg, Ellen, all these amazing people. How have you managed to do that? Keep sane, keep your college, you know, you're doing, um, is it a master's at the moment? Yeah, I'm doing the master of science in clinical nutrition. That is just, it's insane to me. You know, you know, you see these people who they don't go to college, universities, they just solely work on their craft. You're doing three different things. How have you managed to keep that going? You know, how do you juggle those kind of responsibilities? I think the thing is that I learned to, to do all those things parallel from the really beginning. So I started at the age of six with the sport and I also started with, the normal school at the age of six and this time i also played the violin <laughs> additionally <laughs> um yeah and so i learned it from a really young age to to combine all those things to be disciplined to 
when you when I come home, then I do my homework for school and then I go to training. So I learned to never ever procrastinate or to yeah to say oh I will do it tomorrow. No, I always do it like the same day, and um, I think that's something I learned through the sport or through everything, and so I also continued with this. Um, kind of living in a disciplined way and in a productive and effective way and to try to get everything um, in the day because the day only has 24 hours um, but I try to do everything the most effective as it's possible and it's always some sometimes um, hard for me because I do not have that much free time where I can just have loose time and just hanging around it's um everything is kind of scheduled and i'm sometimes yeah suffering from it to not sometimes just wake up and say like mm, today i will just go for a walk it's always like what can i do today i need to go to training and then i need to write some more things about my master thesis and all those things so it's not always easy of course not but I'm, I do not know it in a different way because I learned it from, from a young age. And yeah, I think. So you think it's just making it a habit as part of your life. It's, you know, you eat well all the time so you can have the little cheat meals. You, you train regularly each day so you don't have to get into shape for your season or anything like that. You know, you're making these part of a like uh, sort of ritual and a hobby and a, a procedure that you do each day. It's a very it's a very smart approach. But how would how is artistic cycling set up? Because it's not something that a lot of people know about. I mean, is there regular competitions? Do you train for certain events only? How does it sort of work with the events and your sort of training? Do you get time to have training camps, or do you know? Do you know when events are going to be scheduled? So you plan for them? Yeah. The the competition season is always at the same time of the year. It's it starts in summer and lasts until yeah, November or December. So that's where the main competition season is. And oh, so right. I can okay. always schedule um my year according to this. But in February twenty twenty I uh, retired from the competition sport. So right now I'm focusing on um yeah social media shows and my master thesis <laughs> at the moment um and i do not do any competitions anymore um but yeah when i was com still competing then we always had those events like this weekend was always the world championship and this weekend or around this weekend was always the german championship and here we always had training camps three weeks before the world championship and those things we get a schedule maybe two years before and then we you can schedule your whole year and everything around it it's the german efficiency into <laughs> yes i think uh, so one of my managers is german and he's very he has everything scheduled and planned and routine like yep <laughs> yeah so can you go into a little bit about your training? I mean, now, even now when you're doing these amazing routines, you know, you sort of set and plan and do your, I'm going to learn this trick or, you know, you're maybe shooting a video on um, like in a, a fabulous dining hall and you're, you know, you're just randomly standing on your bike like it's nothing. 
how do you start training for these skills? You know, how does it come from you conceptualizing the trick to you then practicing it on the bike and then displaying it in front of an audience? Because you seem to be, you know, you can pick a trick up like that. But how much work goes into it? Because I've, I've heard you say it take it took you seven years to learn, like to the wheelies and things like that. You make it so flawless. How do you learn these things? The thing is, people now know me from maybe the past three or four years. So I'm kind of um, on social media since 2017. So that means from then on, my reach started to grow. Before this, nobody knew me. And I was... I was nobody, <laughs> so um, or like n- nobody knowed me, and may- maybe only from the small regional newspapers, but not that re- that big reach I have now. And so the most of the tricks I learned was in the period before I got more known. So when people see me now, they think that I like was born with the skill of these tricks, but I was really not. <laughs> so it takes around, depending on how difficult the trick is, it takes at least two or three years to do, for example, a, a wheelie spin or a pirouette. And yeah, for the really hard tricks, like for example, the handstand on a bicycle, it took me seven years to learn. And in these seven years, nobody knowed me. And so that's why people think I can do everything so flawless. And um, mm. yeah, but all the training was before I get, I get more known. And yeah, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of patience and um, endurance. And yeah, it's, I think that's also why not that many people do the sport because it takes many, many years until you see results. And yeah, it's, it's not for people who are not patient. <laughs> Cause it's certainly, I mean, what, the great thing about your YouTube channel, for example, is you demonstrate a lot of your workouts. So you showed um, a recent one with your shoulder workout, for example, and imagine you do a lot of core workout as well to be able to hold yourself in the pike positions and, you know, and um, to be able to sort of hold your body weight as you move into the positions to keep your balance and sort of things. Is that a lot of your day stuff is you do a lot of body weight exercises to kind of build the necessary muscles, uh, but also the sort of the gymnastics side of things, the you know, do you do kind of more basically headstands and all that in the gym so that you can build that, the technique correctly before you get on the bike? Um, to build the strength and the flexibility and everything, um, of course, you do most of the things first on the ground. So, for example, you cannot do a handstand on a bicycle when you've never done a handstand on the ground before. Of course I've, not. Like I've ever done one. <laughs> <laughs> But um, then most of the time we're training on our bikes and learn the trick on the bike itself. So it's not that we do that much fitness body exercises when we want to learn a new trick. 
Um, of course, you, you need some requirements um, to, to hold a trick. We, for example, start to train when the, when the bike is fixed. So we have the bike somewhere fixed and then, then we already, for example, um, try to stand up on the handlebars. And when you can do it on a fixed bike, like that it stands still and you know how to grab here with your hand, how to go there with your feet, then you can do it with the rolling bike. But you always have a coach who gives you safety that you will not fall down um, or with a safety rope, for example. And yeah, then you do it step by step for many, many attempts and many, many years. And now, as I'm able to do most of the tricks um, or most of the hard tricks, I'm trying to keep my fitness doing um, fitness workouts with my with my body, and I'm not training that much more on the bike, but on another reason for this is also the the coronavirus because the the gyms are closed at the moment so yeah, nice. um yeah i think if i would go more on the bike if i um would be allowed to but now it's it's hard because of the lockdown but um and that's how i keep fit with those um workouts but the the exercises on the bike itself you have to learn on the bike you cannot learn it on the ground you need to to practice it a lot and many many thousand attempts on the bike because that's something that comes across it's your bravery when i've seen you you know when you push um outcasts after like when you've made mistakes you show that on the videos you know when you fall over or you you know you maybe make a mistake and you know it's really good to see that and it's the level of bravery you have as well it's that kind of you know, some of these look painful, the scrapes, the bangs, you land heavily, sort of thing. Have you had a kind of like any serious injuries during this? And how did you get back up? You know, like say you've had a bad fall in one training session. How do you make sure it doesn't affect you and mentally you can just go back in? Is it just loving it that much? Or do you have a mantra that you say to, you know, to shut off the negative worry? I have a mental coach and I worked with him the past uh, five years of my active competition career and it helped me a lot. Um, it's not that easy. So, for example, when I had a bad fall doing a handstand and I landed on my face, then it needs oh. or it took me one year to get back on the same level. I didn't injure myself during this fall, but I was so afraid of falling again and that it took me one year to overcome this fear again and to get to the same level I was before this, this fail. So it's not the case that something's happened and then I go back on the bike again and just do it one more time. It's more that you are afraid of things that might go wrong or that um, I injured myself uh, one time in my career which I'm really lucky, lucky that it was just one time I broke uh, three uh, metatarsal I don't know if that's the right word for it in English but three bones in my foot <laughs> I broke it's and, a common football injury yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, that took me three months to recover and to get back on the bike again and 
doing this trick again where I injured myself, this was a process of yeah, let's say two years to to do this trick. I injured myself to do it again. And was it just so? What kind of things do you do with your mental coach? Do you do things like visualizations, or do you journal how you're feeling and you work through the kind of negativity? Because to come back, you know, to break three bones and then to come back and do the trick. You know, I know what it's like when your brain says, "Oh no, you know, keep you safe, keep you safe." And you know you're maybe, and you make it look like you don't have a worry in your head when you're doing this in front of an audience. You know, do you do like a ritual before you get on the bike and go out to the crowds to keep to calm yourself? And you know, do you visualize the the routine and doing it flawlessly? Or you know, what sort of things do you do with your mental coach? Yeah, that's hard to explain in just some minutes. Maybe we can set up another <laughs> podcast just oh, <laughs> for talking about this. You've got as much time as you want because I find all this sort of so interesting, and I I, I know it's thirty minutes, but we could go we can go a lot longer. Okay, um, <laughs> it's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. So... Um, one main part of the things I did with my mental coach is to to be aware of my own feelings, to really give them a name. If, if is it fear, and if yes, then what kind of fear? Is it fear of failure or more fear of getting another injury? So to be aware of what are your feelings really in detail and when you know about this then you can try to modify or to to work with it or even to accept it so i had one big big um milestone in in my own mindfulness and and mental strength was that i was afraid of failure at a competition in one specific trick because I failed this trick in, in a world championship, uh, which cost me uh, a medal. So I had this, this fail in the competition. And then, yeah, it, it was really clear that I will get the silver medal. But then I had this, this fail um, in the competition. And then I, I got uh, the, the fourth place. So I missed the podium. And then after this time, I was really afraid of this trick that it will go wrong another time at another important competition. And I was so much afraid of it that I blocked everything and that I wasn't able to do this trick anymore um, for two months. But until this day, I already did this trick for over I don't know six years and it worked every time perfect and it, it's just a trick I learned as a kid but from this day to the other 
I couldn't do it anymore just because of the things that were in my mind, not because I wasn't able to do it physically. It was mentally that I was, that I blocked everything. And so I, I learned that the fear is there and that I maybe will never ever do this trick without fear again. And then I tried to accept the fear and to see the fear as a part of myself and not trying to always push the fear away or to, to ignore the fear, more like saying to the fear, hey, hello, nice that you're here. I cannot block you. I cannot ignore you. So please come in here with me in this boat and let's do it together. So that's how I did. I, I gave my fear a name and I, I try to visualize that I'm taking, that I'm giving my fear the hand and say like, okay, I cannot ignore you, but we need to do it together. Yeah, I and, can sort of accept you. Yeah. Yeah, like accept this fear and and that was a really milestone in in my um in my personal career and from this day on i always did it with the fear and the fear since today it never it, it never went away but i learned how to deal with it and that's many of the things um or which is kind of the secret how to handle with mental issues to many people try to to ignore them or try to to move them away somewhere but there are things in your life in your mind that will never go away like scarves scars you have on your on on your heart and yeah. it's kind of something that you need to accept and try to live with it and when you accept it then it also feels better because the fight you're fighting every day against this fear, you can calm down and do not fight anymore and try to accept. And that's one of the main things I I did with my mental coach. That, that, I mean, that's great because I've certainly had situations in sports, uh, work, and with the podcast <coughs> sorry, um, where I've spent a lot of time reliving the past or worrying about something I've done, you know, that maybe wasn't as good or the failure that I've, I've come in third or fifth rather than what I thought was going to be the best. And it's definitely something that really, you really struggle with. And it's, it's your biggest opponent can be there, you know, it can be your own brain and it's difficult. And that advice about accepting the fear or giving it a name and accept rather than just feeling it, you actually acknowledge it. Know that you can't, you can never get rid of fear, I find, but you can accept it like you did and say, right, we're going to do this anyway. I'm still going to do this. And it's really good that they've worked that out with you because landing on your face to going on to like Ellen's show, to do all these amazing things you've done, that takes real courage to bounce back and not to give up. So you should be super proud of yourself for that. I mean, you know, breaking bones in your feet and then going doing the same trick a couple of months later. You know, a lot of people would just say, nope, I'm off for a safer sport. And you have now shone this light on the sport. 
you know, how did you find that though? That after you won the European Championships, after you won the national championships, where you broke the world records that these that these had, you know, you obliterated the the rate the previous records. How did how did that feel? How did it? You know, a lot of people um, at that point get complacent. You know, they don't keep pushing themselves. What made you at that point still think, I want to go bigger and better. I want to put this on social media. I want to get people interested in artistic sports. Because it's difficult not to sit there and go, yep, I'm number one, I'm the best. What made you want to keep doing this more and more? For me, my dream was to become the world champion. Um now you know I retired from the competition sport and I never became the world champion. So this is also a thing I'm still fighting with. <laughs> I haven't accepted it uh, to 100% by now. And it might also take some more years, at least some more months for me to to like really finally accept it. I it's It's a lot better than one year ago, but... Um, it, it's a, always a process and with all those mental issues you have or failures or yeah maybe dreams you've you've never achieved and you know that you will never achieve and they are just gone the, the chance for it is gone um, and yeah. it, it takes time to process it and to to make peace with it um, and so that's also a thing I I haven't completely made peace with it, <laughs> but I'm getting there. And so this is the thing that kept me motivated till the very end to to dream or to have the dream to become the world champion. It never happened, but um, that's what my motivation was. <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, this, some would say you've still got an opportunity if you wanted to go back and you know to achieve this and. You know, I mean, but the other thing is you've got a bigger goal in the sense that you want to showcase the light on such a great sport. You know, you want to showcase your talents that you can become like a media superstar as much as, you know, some would say that you're you're doing better now than you would have done maybe if you're world champion because it's, it'll put you on the road to becoming the sensation that you are now. How have you found this media attention? You know, like, because everybody is amazed at the things you do. How are you dealing with the, the fame that comes with it? Um, I don't feel myself as a famous person. So I'm not dealing <laughs> with the fame. <laughs> You've got a lot of fans, yes. I, I noticed that on your social media head. Um, yeah, I'm still impressed by my followership and that so many people are following me and also the thing that I was invited to the Ellen show is still so unreal for me and I mean like here in Germany not many people know me I'm I think I'm more known in in the US um, and here in it's not that I go on the street and somebody is like ah you're Viola you're the one with the with the bike that's not happening here in Germany. Um, so that's why I don't feel that I'm a famous person. But um, yeah, it's still really unreal for me how many things I've achieved or how many um, 
yeah, that I was in the Ellen show and that I'm right now that there's a, a video playing of mine in the NBA halftime show of the Golden State Warriors and all those things are really seen that, yeah. Yeah, crazy for me and I'm still like, mm, okay, that's is that me? <laughs> like this so I mean, do you find it difficult when you see that? Does it feel like another person? Or have you accepted that part of you, that, that you know, the artistic genius that can do these amazing tricks and is loved, like, when it, worldwide by people watching you? Or do you still feel like you and that's just something you do at the side? Because I've noticed a lot of people, like, there's a lot of famous sports people you know, it's, oh, I was destined to do this. But people, a lot of people who I speak to kind of say, oh, it's, I don't feel like famous. I don't feel anything different. Have you changed in any way, do you think? Have you become more confident or? Yes, that that's maybe one thing that I feel the support of my followers. And then I also feel a little bit more confident in what I'm doing. Um, but I still have to explain very often what I'm doing and also that when I say I'm doing social media or editing videos and filming videos, it's not that accepted as a real job. So mm. I always have to to talk to people, yeah, but it's, it's, it's actually work. <laughs> it's work to film a video and to edit it and yes. it takes a lot of hours. But people who are just doing a normal job don't really accept that that's a job. So that's also something I that, that I have to fight with it. <laughs> so, I mean, how have you found that? Because when I run a podcast, I've got a full-time job, you know, jiu-jitsu, all these other kind of hobbies and that. You're like me. You kind of have to juggle all these sort of responsibilities. But you're doing this on a much grander scale than I am. How have you found that kind of situation you know of like getting the time in to do your editing to do your thesis writing you know do you have a kind of a standard day do you have a ritual you know do you get up at a certain time do you write at a certain time or do you just have to fit things in around your training around your eating around your schoolwork is there such a thing as a normal day for you not really no because for example today i was just filming the whole day for a new youtube video and tonight I'm recording the podcast with you. <laughs> and I'm tomorrow, honest, thank you. And tomorrow, for example, I have another Zoom chat with uh, with a, maybe a possible event I can perform the, the next month. And after this, I will write my, my thesis. And in the evening, uh, I will do a Twitch live stream. And so every day is a little bit different. So I do not have a, a normal daily routine I follow it's more like um, I schedule my things and then I try to make the other things fit around so yeah when I have yeah. an appointment in the morning and in the afternoon then I try to write my master thesis in between and yeah I mean my well my main job is to actually work with PhD students so I know how difficult <laughs> it can be fitting them to get them to be writing and to you know, to eliminate all the other, the noise and the, the other stuff, but they don't go onto national TV, you know. So how have you found working with these companies? You know, these like amazing things like the MBA who are coming to you and saying, I want you to put together a routine to come on, you know, our halftime, or I want you to come on our show. 
how do you start constructing your routine? You know, like say you got a call just now and you were going to like the NBA uh, halftime, you know, their biggest game. How would you start constructing a routine to demonstrate your skills and technique? Say you had 10, 15 minutes. Where does that creativity come from and how do you start planning it out? Well, I'm used to do my competition routine in a specific way that, for example, um, a trick you're riding forward, you just do all the tricks riding forward together and then you turn around and then do all the tricks backwards. So it doesn't make sense to make a trick going forward, then going backward, then going forward again, because then your your routine would just be of stopping and um, changing the direction you're, you're riding in. So, for example, I have this structure of a kind of a routine I'm used to that I know after this trick, I'm most of the time doing this trick and then doing this trick mm-hmm. because it makes sense of how to mount on the bike because when I'm already up to the bike, it doesn't make sense to go really to to the back of the bike again and then go up again. Right, switch it, so yeah, yeah that's that's uh, one of the things. And then, for example, for the NBA, I thought about, hmm, can I play basketball uh, on the bike? <laughs> and then I tried to play oh, basketball so <laughs> on the bike, but that was my first attempt to ever shoot the ball into the hoop while standing on the on the bike and then i i it was an idea that came to my mind when i heard okay they want this show for basketball and so basketball would fit to the sh- to to the event where i'm performing in so what things can i do with the basketball and then i'm trying to also put a structure and those tricks i can do with the basketball um together with my normal tricks and yeah, it's it's more like what is the most effective way of doing the, the routine. I love that. I just decided how I was going to start shooting some basketballs. And it's the video where you show you do it the first time. And it's you just have this little smile like, that's good. I would have been bouncing. I would have been jumping. And you were just kind of like, okay, what can I do next? I'm going to start, you know, and it's that that I love about this. It's the fun, the passion, the creativity you put into your routines. I can certainly understand why you're doing so well. But on one of your Facebook posts recently, you mentioned that you were struggling with your school, your writing. As somebody who's working with students at the moment, how's that coming along? You know, do you think the creativity and the physicality of your your sport and, you know, your profession, which it will be, it is balancing well with your school, the logical, the the data-driven side? You know, so you're doing the mental and the physical. Do they balance each other, do you think? It's something completely different. So my life as a student and as, like, I worked for half of a year now in the in the lab, and it's so... It's the completely opposite of what I'm doing with my bike because bike and social media is something of creativity and of, yeah, like there are no rules for it. You can do whatever you want and try to to make it look nice. And in the lab, 
you cannot do what you want. <laughs> you need to to follow. You got set routines. So. To to follow the protocol and to do everything right, and then you're pipetting. I don't know two microliter, which is like a, a amount of liquid you cannot even see with with your eyes, and I'm pipetting this to my cells and doing things like that. So it's completely different. Um, the lab or the master thesis with my social media and with my bike tricks um, so it's sometimes hard to be creative for social media when I'm in a flow of writing the thesis because then I have all the data in my mind and like trying to how can I write this sentence that it makes sense and how should I follow the line in, in my text of the thesis that it fits everything together, but that it's short and not too long. And it's completely different. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes it's normal that you have days where you are not motivated and where you're just like, okay, I want to throw everything away <laughs> and like stop it at all oh, and, and just, just lay in bed and do nothing um yeah you sometimes have those days and i think also now with the coronavirus it gets even more that people are at home and feel lonely or feel not motivated and that's that also hit me this this kind of feeling that spontaneously i was like okay, so many events or like all events were canceled last year and the upcoming events are also already all canceled. So I'm like, what am I, am I training for if every event is canceled? And like, yeah, that's, that's hard to deal with and hard then to motivate for, to say like, okay, then when the events will not take place, I can still do videos on youtube and things like that but you're still like hmm, demotivated or then last week i had a problem with my camera and that i i teached all those camera knowledge um filming knowledge editing knowledge all those softwares i taught by myself and then it's sometimes hard when it doesn't work that way that you learn that it should work <laughs> but then it doesn't work and then you're like um, frustrated why does it not work and then you're like okay I'm a nutritionist maybe I should stay with this and let all those video stuff leave to the professionals <laughs> and it's normal that you have those feelings and that you're um, not always 100% and I also shared this on social media in my Instagram story that I said one day Guys, I just want to tell you today, I'm in a really bad mood because of this and that. Um, because I wanted to show to my followers that in on Instagram, it's not always the, the sunny, glitter life you're living as an influencer. Mm, and definitely. that many of the days are not that good. <laughs> and that we are also normal people struggling with normal things. Mm, that you have to and that's the difference is it's during those days where you're really struggling you get the work done you put the effort in and you step up and do the videos and sometimes I find sometimes I hate the idea of doing a podcast that day and it's one of my best ever episodes and the days I'm just deliriously excited I can have terrible episodes and it it's I don't know it just seems to be whenever you're feeling pressure on you you perform at your best 
So how now do you want to take your brand? Because the world is your oyster. You know, you can work with some amazing brands. You know, you were doing a video there with David Dobrik. You're on the Ellen Show. You're working with sports teams. You've come from a sport that's very regimented. You know, you get graded for your handstand, for the difficulty of the tech, the techniques, etc. But you're now open. You know, you've got no no boundaries to what you can do and how you can be seen to the world. What do you want your evolution of your brand to be? What do you want people to think of when they look at your brand? You know, what do they what do you want to do in the next 10 years, say? So first of all, I would be happy if the sport, the, the sport of artistic cycling will get more known all over the world, that I do not have to explain every time what I'm doing and that people are like, are you doing artistic cycling? Ah, it's just when you have one wheel, right? And I'm like, no, it's like kind of normal bicycle. I have two wheels and I'm doing tricks in it. Ah, BMX, right? No, it's not BMX. It's artistic cycling. Yeah. So I would be happy if more people get to know about the sport, that also people who still compete in the sport that they have, that they maybe get prize money, that they maybe get sponsors. Um, so to help the sport of artistic cycling grow. And that's what I want to achieve with my channels, to, to spread the sport, this beautiful sport discipline all over the world. Maybe that in 20 years, the sport could also get the option to, to be included in the Olympics. Um, <clears throat> so to... Yeah, that, that the sport will grow. And yeah, of course, for my personal goal, it's um, yeah that I would love to, to really make the sport and social media for a living. Um, because at the moment, I'm not able to do, it, to do this also because of the coronavirus right now that everything was canceled. So it's also a hard time uh, for me. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, so if there are any sponsors hearing that <laughs> of great, uh, amazing uh, companies who want to sponsor me, they can write me an email. <laughs> um, I'm always open for this. Um, so yeah, that's that's what my dream is to make this really for for a living. Um, that when I'm done with my with my master thesis, that I can only focus on social media and doing shows, and that I that I can live from that and pay my rent. But, well, I mean, your brand is going to go from strength to strength. You know, you've you've done some amazing things and you're so young and I can just see companies battering down your door trying to get you to sign up with them because it's such a unique, beautiful, talented thing that you do, you know, and you're showcasing the light on such a great sport as well. And, I, you know, you're being an ambassador for the sport, and you should maybe mention that to the German national team, you know, get them to, to sponsor you as well. What do you want people to take from this? Um, you know, I knew this was going to go well over and I'd love to have you on again and maybe do like a full interview, et cetera. But what do you want people to remember about this? Um, it can be anything in terms of the sport, influencer, building your own brand, taking part in a sport, anything and everything. What, what would you like people to remember about you, cycling, whatever it is? 
Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> I mean, because some people, for example, say, oh, you can do it too. You know, you can step up. I mean, that's the beauty about the internet now is it, it lets people showcase their talents and build an audience and things like that. Is that what you'd like people to remember? That I, w- I would like that, that people see that the tricks I do took a lot of time for me to learn in many years. And I have the feeling that many people give up too early when they're doing something. They, they try things they want to learn maybe four or five times. And if then it doesn't work, they quit. And I would love to remember people that it takes time to, to master something. And even if it's something really difficult, then it takes even more time. And so that people have more endurance doing it, learning something, that they are more open to, to learn something and that they do not quit and say, mm, I'm not good at this, I cannot do it, I'm, I'm physically not ready for this or things like that. These are most of the time reasons people try to find um, to say why they cannot do it. But if they would really keep on it and practice those things for, yeah, maybe some months or even years, and then they can say, okay, maybe I'm not good at it, but really keep on it and, and try and have the endurance and patience. And when you work hard, then, yeah, you will also master those things. I love it. That's a, be- a beautiful way of putting it. It's, we do give up far too soon. And look at you, you've taken your talents and changing the world for artistic cycling. So for people who'd like to get in touch with you, um, you know, companies to work with you or people to follow your social media, come to one of your events when we're allowed back in outside, what, what would you do? How can we get in touch? You know, what's your website, your Instagram, these sorts of things? Yeah, I have a channel on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And there you also find my email address on these channels. So, yeah, you can either just write me direct messages there on the on the channels, for example, in Instagram. And then, yeah, or write emails. There's an email button in my Instagram page and also at my homepage. And all of those channels and websites are all known um, with the same name. It's always Viola Loves Cycling. So I hope that it's easy to remember. <laughs> well, all the links, etc., will be in the show notes, but I cannot thank you enough for coming on. You know, I knew you had to be the, the first guest on this new sort of series because what you do is amazing. And, you know, you showcase your talents amazing, but you've also built this brand from nothing. You know, you've started from just being a normal person with a dream and now you're going places and you're doing this while doing, you know, a master's degree. That is amazing. It's You should be super proud of what you're doing. Um, is there anything coming up that we can see you in in the, in the next wee while? Have you got anything planned? Any new videos coming out? Um, yeah, I'm uploading videos weekly on YouTube and I'm at the moment trying to combine different sport disciplines um, with cycling. So as we just mentioned, I already tried the basketball one, then I tried to do hula hoop on the bicycle. Uh, I've seen that the one, next, yep. And then the next video I already filmed and will upload soon 
is how I juggle on the bicycle. And yeah, different things are coming up on my YouTube channel weekly. So yeah, check this out. And on Instagram, I'm uploading every two or three days. So there you already or you will stay updated when you follow my channels. Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.